Hello, originators. It's Randy. This week's episode is a live stream that I recorded at the beginning of this work. It is a deeply intimate, candid conversation about my experience in my relationship with my middle daughter, Addie. When this work came into my life, we were both struggling um, individually and in our relationship dynamic. In fact, the dynamic between her and I had always been um, an interesting experience to say the least. She truly um, prompted me to have to look at myself in a multitude of ways and, and her in my life really set in motion, you know, me seeking out healing modalities and self-development work and consciousness work. And when the work of origination began, a significant amount of attention and programming went into my relationship dynamics, especially that as a mother. Um, this is highly personal and I am very candid at sharing how this work, how this played out in our day-to-day um, -day experience. And also this is an intense experience because it includes aspects of mental health and self-harm. And while that is maybe a more extreme situation and whether you have children or not, the way that this conversation goes in describing the dynamics of how relationships work under the programming of condition where you don't know where you end and where somebody else begins. And there's a confusion that the other person is the source of your safety, your security, your worth, or your well-being. I believe that anyone can find themselves in this conversation in some way, shape, or form in their own relationship dynamics. I'm really excited to share this with you because now a little over a year later, our relationship has continued to deepen and flourish. And I'm beyond thrilled to say that Addie on her own is thriving and that our relationship dynamic in our family and where we have moved through beyond this experience is just incredible in so many unimaginable ways. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoy sharing it. So I wanna talk about the human codes and how they impact relationships. Um, the human codes again, are, are an energy system. They are your coding, your programming, your like factory installed um, way of operating. It's, it's consciousness, it's physicality, it's belief systems, it's thought blocks, it's thought patterns, it's um, behaviors, it's expectations. Um, and all of that is sort of rolled into these imprinted experiences that are based around survival. But not only are the human codes your coded programming, they're also 
a code of conduct. Your human codes are what humans agree um, in a code of conduct of this is how we treat people, this is how we do things, this is how reality goes down here. And so when anyone operates outside of the established codes of conduct, then that typically wreaks havoc um, in the system. And this impacts relationships in a, in a million ways because when the condition of the relationship is based on the outcomes, on the meeting the expectations, on following the established rules, on this is who you need to be all the time in order for me to feel good, and this is who I will be all the time in order for you to be okay, and then we'll dance around each other wondering if the other person is going to be able to do and say and be all the right things or not do and say and not be all the wrong things in order for me to be okay. And as Jenny so eloquently said in our very first video, you know, everything under the human codes is conditional. And because everything under the human codes is conditional, there is no safety or security or peace or contentment ever because it's all contingent upon something in the external world being a particular way in order for you to create or for you to feel a certain way, which is the paradox of the human code, right? I'm constantly seeking for safety, security, love, approval, value, worth, peace, contentment, satisfaction, but all of it is outside of me in something or someone else. It's in the money, it's in the behavior of your partner, it's in the job, it's in the validation, it's in your bank account, it's in your body, it's in your age, it's in your value, it's in what you contribute, it's in what you offer, it's in your purpose, it's in everything apart from you. And so while you're constantly seeking the solution, right? You're constantly seeking for the way to have the feelings that you wanna feel, they're always based on something that you could risk losing. And so you can never have true unconditional relationships where love flows freely without the expectation of how somebody needs to behave in order for you to feel okay or the um, demands and the conditions for you to maintain your composure, for you to maintain your emotional state, for you to maintain your own level of safety, security, love, well-being, all of the things, which we often refer to as the stakes, right? The stakes are what could you lose if, thing, if the outcomes don't go the way that you need them to. And the other part of stakes is, is the meaning that, that we place on the outcomes. And according to the human code, you know, th there's levels of agreed upon meaning and some people have opposite, but you have a very personal thing that you believe everything means about you, about your life, 
about the world you live in and you make those meanings and order them accordingly in, in weighing in on how the outcomes go. So I'm gonna share the example of my, my daughter, my middle daughter, Addie. She's 14 now. Um, she is the most amazing being that has ever graced my presence. And she has been in my adult life, my greatest opportunity to face my own human codes of survival. She is an amazing example of an originator, of um, an unyielding, unwielding, I don't know which word is, is correct, um, example of forging your own way no matter what and standing in what's right for you regardless of how it lands for anyone. And me living so deeply and densely under the programming of the human codes. She literally triggered the shit out of me the majority of her life. I mean, she has presented me with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to deal with my own stuff because she refused to participate in the human code of conduct. So the rules and the demands and the expectations that I would try to put on her in order for me to feel okay, whether that was loved or secure or like I was a good mother or like I was doing a good job or like she was a good kid. And even if she was a good kid, it came back to me because that would mean I was a good mother. She refused to participate in that system. She never collapsed in and self-compromised her own knowing to satisfy my discord. And I had never really met anyone like that in my whole life. And if I did, I thought that they were terrible people. But I knew that that she was just, I mean, I've called her a star since the day. There's something magical about this person. And I knew that there was a massive opportunity for me, but I didn't really understand what was happening for a long time. And like people under the human codes do, I looked to her as a problem that needed to be solved. I was constantly seeking the solution for the problem that was Addie. You know, she's too much, she's too strong-willed, she, you know, has all these heightened abilities and it's really overwhelming and I don't know how to handle her. There must be something wrong with her. There, you know, it must be sensory issues, it must be, you know, emotional issues, she must have all of these things. Oh, she's the out of sync child. Oh, she needs cranial sacral therapy. Oh, she needs, you know, all of these things. She, and while all of those things impacted our lives 
and really brought me through the journey of dealing with my own things in different ways. The pattern that she amplified in me or the pattern that she turned and, and showed me was the deeply ingrained pattern of I am powerless. You know, I imprint the, 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 the structure of I am powerless and everything that goes into that, both in the cause and in the effect, right? All of the ways in which I have no control, all of the ways in which no one listens to me, all of the ways in which I'm trapped, all of the ways in which I don't know what the next move is, all of the ways that um, nobody hears me, nobody listens to me, nobody, nobody does the things that I need them to do so that I can feel okay was very amplified in the interactions that I had with her from the time she was a tiny baby. I mean, she was what you would call strong-willed from the time she was a tiny baby. There was no deterring her from her knowing and her choice in what she was going to engage in and what she was gonna do and she was not gonna do and nothing and no one was ever gonna stop her from where she was at. It just, it just was. And so under the human codes, it became from my perspective, a battle of wills. <laughs> and I lost every single time. And not only did I lose the external power struggle that I was engaging in, I mean, she was just standing in her beingness and I was trying to overpower her or change her or manipulate the situation or gain some sort of control, not only did I lose that because I could never outwill her, I could never force her to compromise herself on my behalf. I also lost because I hated the person that I was in those moments. And it was incredibly conflicting for many years because because of the human codes, because of how you are under the human codes. How do you raise a child? What does a, what does a par parent and child dynamic look like? What did you see growing up? What, what is the, the um, information that you are seeking out as solutions? What is their coding? What, what are they saying about the relationship? And so when nothing was working through the imitation of parenting paradigms under the human codes, I was lost. I mean, I would try all the things. I would look to the world. I would look to the established codes. I would look to the patterns. I would look to the cause and effect solutions, right? So-and-so did this and it worked. Well, I'm doing this and it's not working. Um, I'm trying the next parenting book and it's not working. And I'm trying what worked for this blogger and it's not working. And I'm trying what worked for this healer and it's not working. And I'm trying, you know, I'm looking, we talked about the human codes being already established cause and effects that somebody else created an outcome that other people look to to imitate. Well, I was imitating them all and they were not doing the trick. And so it was conflicting and confusing in a multitude of ways. And so for a long time, I tried to change her 
and relieve the discord within myself by having her be the one that was different. And even when those things worked temporarily, the pattern was being asked to be dismantled. So it's an innate force that runs your life that literally continues to show up until you deal with it. And it showed up the strongest in my life with her. And what I see now is that was an incredible freaking gift over and over and over. But I could not see that then. And if I would have told you that it was that she was a gift, then it would have been a fucking lie. And it would have been what I think I should have said in order to somehow feel different than I would, but it wasn't working. And um, over the course of the last couple of years, I have taken the focus off of who she needs to be and what she needs to change in order for me to be okay and in order for me to sleep at night and in order for me to not worry and in order for me to relax or rest or be feel safe or secure and i turned in on what is she trying to show me what is this pattern showing me what is this experience showing me what is happening within myself that has this innate need to respond and react in a specific way. Okay. How do you know that there's a pattern? How do you know when it's you that, that is the, is in a dynamic of two people in a relationship? How do you know it's you? And how do you know when it's there, them? You know it's you when you're triggered by it. You know it's you when what they do makes you freak the fuck out or causes um, an activation of charge in you that needs to change something or handle it or control or react or engage. That's how you know it's you. That when you get triggered into a reaction, they are showing you the discord within yourself. When you're in, in an interaction with another person and they are spinning out or they are going off or they are in their own crap and you feel zero charge and you can watch it happen without getting sucked into the pattern, that's about them. That is the neutrality of not having a matching resonance of that particular human code within you that sucks you both in and stirs up the pot. Okay. That's how you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Addie and I for her whole life, she's 14 now. I mean, for until a couple of years ago, we're engaged in this how in this dynamic of her triggering me and then me trying to find the external solution for the problem that she was having so that she could stop triggering me. And when I realized that it wasn't her, it was me. And I began to 
do the work to face myself. What do I think is at stake here? What do I think is th this interaction means about me, about her, about the world? Am I wrong about that? What if our path can't be ran through what already exists? What if we are to create our own way of interacting that's outside of these established patterns that already have been working in these systems for other people? What if I have to unhook myself from all, every single thing that I think it means to be a parent, to be a mom, to have a daughter, to raise a daughter, to um, show her the way? What if all of that has to go completely? And what if we have to do our own thing without checking in with anyone or anyone else, no matter what, can I survive that? Can I survive our complete disconnection and having no point of orientation into the unknown with her? Because, in, because a couple years ago, she started to go through some depression. Um, she hit the age of 12 and for the first time I watched her, not with me, but with other people, turn in on herself. I watched her react and respond to feedback. I watched her adapt herself and she can't live that way. Um, and it led to a lot of depression. It led to thoughts of suicide. It led, it landed her in a hospital stay a year ago, a year, little over a year ago for 14 days. Um, because people who are wired for origination and people who are wired outside of the human codes of conditioning can't make it in that space. It feels like death. It feels, it in, and in many ways, it's an energetic cage that um, shuts down your connection to source, to God, to who you really are. When you are imitating and pretending to be something and someone that you're not in order to satisfy and appease somebody else. It slowly drains your life force or quickly drains your life force. And it gives nothing in your life contentment or satisfaction because it's all imitation and it's all false. And it's all in an effort to create some sort of external outcome that will appease someone or something else. It's the most inauthentic, self-compromising experience for an originator. So here's the mother load, right? Not only have I been like, 
managing her in some way my whole life and then you know beginning to disconnect from it but if there's this place where you're going to go backwards like if you're going to the pattern is so deep okay and the pattern continues to be broken every trigger that you address and the pattern continues to be dismantled with every decision that you make against it but the pattern of powerlessness in my life was a foundational pattern. Mo the majority of my life was built and ordered through the lens of the cause and effect of I am powerless. Okay. So as I was dismantling this pattern, it was having less and less effect on my life. but it amped up under certain conditions, right? You can handle a certain amount of it, but I mean, a suicidal daughter, that's the mother load of I am powerless and I have to do something to gain some sort of power because she could die. I mean, I have to save her because part of, of the pattern of powerlessness is you run in three methods of operation. You have three identities in I am powerless. You are the victim. Everything is happening to you and nobody listens to you and your life is happening and you, know, you, you are the victim. You are the perpetrator, which means you are the one that is going to overpower somebody else and nobody's going to ever make you a victim again. And so you're going to victimize other people or you operate in the savior. I know what it's like to be powerless and a victim to all of these other people and to all of these other circumstances and to all of these outcomes. And so I am going to save you from the experience that I have already been living under. And those were my three ways that I showed up in that pattern. When that pattern was active in my life, I bounced around in those. And with her, oh my gosh, I mean, some days I was like, I'm in charge here. You're going to follow my rules. Like this is coming to an end. This is, this is the boundary. This is, there's no phone after 10 o'clock. You will be out of your room at these times. You will be eating this. And I mean, just demanding and manhandling and trying to grapple for some sort of external control, which never worked, by the way. She would be like, well, you're going to be mad at me? Okay. No, I'm not doing that. No, no, no. And I would work myself into this tizzy and I would, you know, be awake at night, angry and furious. And then there were times where I would be engaged in that dynamic with her and I would be in deep mourning. I would be crying and just feeling so sorry for her and wondering how I could, what I could do. How could I save her from herself? How could I fix this problem for her? Maybe I could change her schools. Maybe we could get her a horse. Maybe we, if she just had some different friends, maybe if I could just do this, maybe if I could just buy her a bike, maybe if I could just get her to do this. And I would go through these periods <clears throat> of trying to figure out how I could save her 
from herself, save her from the world, save her from me, save her. I would be just in, just in guilt and shame about the things that I had done, the things that I hadn't done, the ways I contributed to her patterning, the ways that I had impacted her negatively. I would take on responsibility. I would take ownership for her experience. I would take ownership for her outcomes and I would try to change them that way. <clears throat> you know, otherwise I would be the victim. You know, she's doing this to me. I can't believe that she acts this way. I can't believe she doesn't listen to me. She makes my life so hard. She's always this problem that I have to take care of and nobody understands me and poor me and poor me. And, you know, she doesn't listen to my rules. And I have this kid who ha has all these problems and it impacts me in this way. And then I have to do this. And these are things I don't want to do, but blah, 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 blah. And all of these things were like active and I was jumping all over the place with them all of the time. <clears throat> and again, I was taking pieces of these out. There were, it wasn't the mother load of the, this in the last year would show up occasionally. It wasn't like it had been in prior years before I knew any of this stuff where I just was living in this unconscious world with her. But when the pattern activated, because it wasn't active all of the time now in my life, when it did activate it, it was amplified to the 10,000th degree because there were times that we were outside of it and that we lived in a dynamic of freedom and um, autonomy, I guess, not, not entangled in, in each other in our relationship where I was whole and she was whole and we came together to play. When, when I fell or got sucked in or swirled into that pattern, I mean, it was intense and consuming. And it amplified in me and brought an awareness to me to all the other times I had felt like that with her specifically. And that would just fuel the fire. And in that place, when I would flip, when I would flip out of my originator codes or my, and, and flip back in to the dynamic of the human codes of conduct and patterning, conditioning. It would be amplified because I would know all of the other places that this had occurred. And, and I held her responsible for that. And so this all came to the final head a little while back. Um, it, was, it was the one year anniversary of her being in the hospital. And so while I had dealt with a lot of that mentally and, and um, in my consciousness, it was still active 
in my physical presence. I mean, the energy of that experience that was still unresolved was highly active in my physical body. Like cellular memory of it was highly active. And I was teetering because that pattern still had resonance at times with me. I was teetering in being able to stand in origination. Okay. So somewhere between all of the things I flipped and I got sucked back into the pattern and looking back, I can see why I know that I know where I'm going in my life. And I know that nothing is going to stop me from experiencing the quality of life that I <clears throat> know that I require. And so these patterns have no choice but to reveal themselves to me in order to be dismantled completely because they cannot live in the life, in, the, in where I am going. They have no choice but to die. They, they don't match up. You can't be over here and still exist in this thing. That, so every, I had been making huge moves in my work in the world, in the other, in, in every area of my life. And so I knew that when this came up for the final time, that it came up to die completely. And that my minute by minute choices were going to determine how quickly or how slowly that happened. <clears throat> so for about 10 days, I was sucked into the fullest expression of this pattern. I mean, I was creating a shit show masterpiece of what it means to be in this powerlessness dynamic with my 14 year old daughter, <laughs> which when you think about it, how many parents operate in, I am powerless with their children. And from that place of attempting to gain external control and power, try to dominate <laughs> their children. And they actually are acting like toddlers lashing out, you know, putting the responsibility of their emotional state and their regulation on a child, it's actually quite comical. Um, but anyway, so for 10 days, I am like owning my own victimhood. She's, I'm so angry at her. I'm like lashing out and demanding that she comply. She is not doing it. Um, and I am like searching all these solutions and I'm on the internet and I'm looking for the things and I'm looking for all the boundaries. And now we're going to put this thing on our phone and you need to talk to her. And, you know, and I'm, I'm roping my husband into it and you're not taking this as seriously as I am. And we've got to do something and all of this stuff. And I am just internally conflicted. Um, and it comes 
it's coming to a head. I'm at this place where I'm like, I do not want to be this person anymore, but I'm really deep. Like I am deep into this right now. And I have a lot of evidence for why this is the actual truth versus what I know is the real truth about who she is and who I am. Everywhere I look, there's evidence that this pattern of the human code is what is real, real. And I call Jenny and I'm telling her all the things and I'm saying, I know that I'm saying this and I know that it's bullshit, but it feels really true still. And I do not at this point know exactly how to climb out of this, but can you, if, if I tell you the things that feel very true that I have evidence for, can you give, can you give me some clarity or can you talk me through this so that I have something to grab onto to make my way out of this? And we, we talked for a while and I, I mean, I kept coming back to like, she's always been a problem. She's always been a problem. She's always been a problem. And that is the furthest thing from the truth, truth. But under that paradigm, what was happening was that pattern was so alive and you pair it with my pattern of powerlessness. She really had no choice because in that space, my certainty in who she was, was so strong that every time she came to, to me, she had to play out that cause and effect with me, right? She's always a problem. Well, she will show me things that are always a problem when I'm certain that that's who she is. She has no choice but to reinforce my own paradigm. I am paving the way for our interaction through what I'm saying and what I'm thinking and what I'm looking for, what the evidence is, what the mantra is. I mean, I'm creating her to always be a problem when, when I am that committed to the paradigm and the patterning that she's always a problem. So it took me about two more days of being half in and half out of being able to start to recognize what I'm doing, to recognize the patterns that I'm living under, but not really being able to break them. I having to like remove myself. I don't want what I have right now, but I'm not sure what my next move is. So I'll do nothing. I'll get away from you. I will not talk. I will not say anything. I will just, until I have the next move move, I'll do nothing before I keep doing this. And for whatever reason, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was three o'clock in the morning. I had, you know, a couple of days earlier, put the boundaries on her that she would not be on the phone in the middle of the night. Went down to the bathroom. She was on the phone. Instant anger, instant, you know, victimhood. She never listens to me. She doesn't respect me. Doesn't matter what I do. We're, 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 was where I wanted to go. Under that pattern, my next move had been barge into her room, scream at her, tell her the rules, go upstairs, wake up my husband, make sure he knows how upset I am, <clears throat> get him swirled into it, try to problem solve her together, still feel like shit, wake up the next morning, repeat. 
So I was one foot out of it enough to know like, okay, I cannot do that. If I need, if, if I want out of this pattern, I'm going to have to do something different. And I decided to not go into her room and not to say anything and to just go upstairs. So I went upstairs and I just was furious. And I wanted to go to all of the reasons why she was responsible for the way that I felt. She's the reason that I am so unhappy right now. And I laid in my bed fuming in my body, thinking of all the things that could possibly make me feel better in the external world, like putting a nap on her phone, doing all of these things, waking up my husband, whatever. And I just said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't know exactly what I need to do in this moment, but I am unwilling to be this person for myself for one more second. I am unwilling to be a 44 year old, something like that, a 40 something woman, mother, who needs her 14 year old daughter to comply and act a certain way every single second of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or I can barely function. I can't be that person for one more second. And I don't give a flying fuck what the outcome is. I don't care. This isn't about getting her to comply. This isn't about healing our relationship. This isn't about her at all, actually. I don't care. This is about me and me and who I'm willing to be, how I'm willing to show up for myself in the world. And, the, and Addie is not the source of my well-being. She's not the source of my happiness. She's not the source of my joy. She's not the source of my power. She's not the source of my peace. She's not the source of my contentment. She's not the source I am responsible for my own well-being, my own choices, my own responses, my own decisions, no matter what. And I'm done with this. No matter what, this dies and ends here tonight. I don't freaking care. But I will do whatever it takes to end this pattern within myself for myself. Everything else will take care of itself and it won't matter because I will be at peace with me. 
and I began to cry. All of the anger and all of the resentment and all of the blame and all of the um, angst and discord and feelings of all the places that I, I, I was holding on to the energy of powerlessness began to dissipate from my body, from my chest, from my stomach, from my head, from my neck, from my back. And I cried for two hours. I mean, primal, energy changing, molecule rearranging, pattern ending tears. And things flashed in my mind. I mean, I was, I was seeing specific moments of interactions with her throughout the 14 years of our lives um, where I had, where I was living under that illusion. And um, sometimes there would be things that I would need to say. Sometimes they would go really fast. Sometimes they would stay and I would sort of watch them play out knowing that that, that was the end of whatever was happening. Um, and I got to the point where it was completely empty. Two hours sitting there, my husband with me, he'd woken up at this point, rubbed my back, sat next to me, listened when I needed to say something, was quiet when I didn't. And the last thing that came out of my mouth before all of that energy was empty was, and she almost died last summer. And then it was like, and it was completely quiet. My mind was quiet. My heart was quiet. My body was quiet. All of the discord that was held in that pattern, that was keeping that pattern alive and allowing my mind to believe that it was true had dissipated. And I went to sleep for a couple hours. I woke up. I had been sleeping till probably 12 or one o'clock every day before this. She was up at 10, unprompted. Shades opened, door opened, having breakfast, which eating had been an issue for her. She didn't want to eat. She was weird about eating, ate food, asked if she could come to the store with Nick and I, told me she loved me probably 12 or 13 times that day, watched a movie with me, sat by me, held my hand in the store, never said a word to her. I never changed anything. And in fact, I did, I, I did the exact opposite of instead of telling her all the things, there was nothing 
to talk about. There was nothing to say because it never was really about her anyway. Nick is looking at me like we are in a completely different reality and you cannot make this shit up. And we just kept laughing about it and joking about it because you cannot make this shit up. And that's what I mean by being catapulted into a completely new reality. Because from this space, I woke up and just went about my day. In that space, when the pattern is completely dismantled, you are not on management mode. You are not preparing for the next thing. You are not like trying to plan your next move. You are not thinking of the things that you're going to need to say in order to stay in your high vibe. You're not um, thinking about like, well, how can I stay untangled from her? And how can I separate myself from her? And I wonder what she's going to be like today. And if she doesn't get up by 10, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to show her this thing. And um, it's effortless because the pattern doesn't exist anymore. And so there's a freedom to just be in a natural state of flow, in a natural state of interaction with who I am at my core and who she is at her core. And from the external world, maybe nobody else in the world knows anything has changed. But your, my whole world was flipped inside out and upside down and I was landed into a brand new reality. And then I watched it carry over into her sisters. I watched the dynamic be free and open with them. I watched as for 10 days, we enjoyed each other as a family. I watched doors being opened. I watched dinners being had. I watched you know, do you want to come to the pool with me? I watched everyone engaged together, freely being themselves, effortlessly. And that's what happens when you truly, truly, completely dismantle and dissolve those human code, codependent, outcome manipulating controlling relationships conditional relationships that require you to constantly gauge and manage and check in on everyone's behavior and everyone's outcomes all the time and so 10 days goes by trying to see how long I've been doing this. I have no idea. So 10 days go by. And we are like living in this magical world. And other than the fact that I'm observing how completely different it is, you know, it just feels like it's the most natural thing in the world. Like it's always been this way, except when Nick and I are kind of looking at each other like wink, wink, nod, nod. This is hilarious. But but did you, but I'm going to go back. Did you hear that I didn't do it? I didn't dissolve the pattern to get that outcome. I didn't dissolve the pattern so I could have 
something specific with her. I dissolved the pattern for myself, for me, because of who I am going to be and who I'm going to show up no matter what. Now, if I would have been like, I'm going to release this and I'm going to change this and I'm going to do this so that Addie will like me and that we won't have this tension and that I can be a good mom and she can be a good daughter, we would have still been operating under the pattern. I would have still been operating under that pattern because the whole point of trying to gain the specific outcome was hoping that my life would be different than it was now instead of dealing with the pattern and allowing my life to become what I actually wanted it to be. Because right under LOA or visualization, I could have imagined our life being a certain way. I could have imagined that we were a certain um, type of family. I could have imagined that I'm a certain type of mother. I could have, you know, tried to rearrange my belief systems about her. And I could have tried to allow her to be a certain way and, you know, or tried to force her energetically to be a certain way, but that's all still conditional. And that's why that stuff is only temporary. That's why it only works for a while. Is because it still falls under the pattern. It's just rearranging the pattern. Okay, so 10 days goes by in magic land. <laughs> We're like in love with life. And the mother load hits in my family. Addie is sick. And she has this mysterious pain in her light, right lower quadrant. I have taken her over the course of two years to the hospital for this mystery pain four times. Four times it has played out the exact same way. They think she has appendicitis. She ends up having maybe a cyst on her ovary. The over, you know, it, it's, and we end up spending a whole day and thousands of dollars and all these tests are run and we end up leaving and there's no answer and she's still in pain. And then it goes through like three days of her being really upset because she doesn't understand why this is happening. And I go into the three places of poor me and my daughter, poor my daughter and what's happening to her or God damn it, Addie, there's nothing wrong with you. I don't know what to tell you. This is all in your head. I'm never taking you to the doctor again if you don't have a fever because now I just spent all this money and wasted all this time. Or I am like, we have to find the solution for her. What are we going to do next? What's the next thing we can try? Let me search the internet. Maybe it's this supplement. Maybe it's this... Um, modality. Maybe it's this, maybe it's me. I probably pass this on to her and, you know, we have this history and all of the freaking things. Okay. So this has been going on for years in our life. And this pattern, this pattern shows up 10 days after our, our, I've imploded the other pattern. And I say to my husband, <laughs> something's happening. Like if there is any place that I can go back and decide to jump into the deep end of the shit show 
this would be the place. This is the mother load. This is my greatest, greatest opportunity that I have ever had in my entire life to be done fully 100%, 110,000% done with this, with her, with us, with me. And we are about to create the greatest masterpiece of all time. I've set this up perfectly. And I am showing myself how committed I am to being who I was actually created to be outside of this bullshit system. So I decide to take her to the doctor and we go through the things. She ends up in the hospital for three days, three days of this. And every single time it starts to mirror what we've already experienced in the past, I specifically and intentionally make the choice to participate in this experience in the exact opposite as I have in the past. I go against the pattern moment by moment over and over and over and over. And in the end, they really can't ever find anything that's wrong with her. They do all the tests, they rerun the tests, they do the tests, but she's in excruciating pain, excruciating pain. And so they keep her in the hospital to manage the pain and to observe her in case there's something developing that they can't see. And weirdly enough, my husband, that we're in a small room because we're not really supposed to be there, has no windows in it. We're not, you know, we're, we're supposed to kind of be making our way out. So there's not a lot of room for him to be there. He's working on a home project. We have two other children. Like I really need him to be doing his thing. So Addie and I are like playing out this game and really unraveling this deep-seated pattern really in both of us on some level matching up. And we have this like crazy ass experience for three days together in this hospital that from the outside looks like chaotic and like a problem and you know weird and dramatic and all of these things but I know in my knowing that something pivotal is happening in this second moment by moment and so I have already decided that I'm in I've set up my own mastery to show myself what I'm actually made of. And so that is how I approach the three days. And backtracking to a little interesting piece of the story, when Addie was born, three days after she was born, I ended up in the hospital a part of a piece of the placenta had not had been left inside my uterus and so I had a, an infection and when I was in the emergency room I was 
um, breastfeeding and I was in excruciating pain. It was way worse than labor. Um, so they said they could give me some medication that would be safe for breastfeeding. Well, they, they put me on morphine and I was completely out of it. And I was away from her in my bed, fevering and morphine, like coma consciousness, whatever it was for three days. And after those three days, she wouldn't take the breast anymore. She developed colic. She cried all the time. And it was, a, it was a, it changed the pattern of our relationship dynamic when she was a, a tiny infant. She didn't have secure attachment to me. I, I, I became in, in my absence, I became an unsafe, unreliable source. Um, even at three days old. Um, and I knew it because after I knew it on some level, okay. I didn't know it consciously, but I knew it on some level because even after I was back with her and she would, was rejecting the breast, I, um, had lactation consultants and all these things. And I mean, I remember in the being like naked in the bathtub and just trying to get her to latch on again and, and the, and crying and the woman was there. And I was like, she doesn't trust me. I knew that she didn't trust me, but I didn't know what to do about that. And I didn't know what that was. And ultimately it doesn't matter. But what I'm t saying is, is because part of the interesting story is so we get to this hospital and I know that something's happening here. Like I know that this is like a big, big energetic moment. And um, so we're there for the first day and I am just like matching her. I am like, we are creating this thing. What it is, I don't know, but it's, it's whatever comes out on the other side of this. And I don't know what that is, is going to be huge for both of us. And I'm killing it, okay? So she's in the hospital and, or at the emergency room and they are basically going to, they can't get her pain under control. And so they give her morphine. And as soon as they said they were gonna give her morphine, which I thought was super interesting. First of all, I've never heard of really a kid getting morphine. Maybe that's a common thing, I don't know. But when they said they were giving her morphine, every cell in my body I mean, a chill ran through. It was like being electrocuted. And I was like, oh my God, this is going, what, what is going to happen? Because that's exactly what had happened in the first week of her life. Now she's getting the morphine. So she goes through this thing where she's like, morphing? morphine morphing right she's going through into this new place of consciousness and she's saying to all these things to me like mommy hold me i wish i was a baby again mommy i want to be reborn again on all of these things and anyway it's just super interesting and so i kept watching it and i kept making the choice for the person that I require myself to be in that moment over and over. And by the third day, the third morning, I was like, 
I woke up in this little dark hospital room with no windows in this tiny space next to her, having been there and provided from a space of sovereignty what was required in the moment. And my first thought was, okay, today we need to go home. It's been three days. And as soon as I heard myself say three days, I remembered that it was three days that I had been away from her when she was that first week she was born. And I was like, okay, this is coming to an end. And it actually did. We were within a matter of a few hours, they basically said, there's nothing else we can do for you here. I had a conversation with her. We, um, did, we decided we were going home. I promised her that no matter what, we were going to find a solution to the pain. It popped into my head to have her see an acupuncturist. It was a very interesting um, appointment because a lot of times people in that, in those modalities will say, well, we can see what will happen and I don't really know. And, um, you know, like we can try it and I've had good success. He was like, this is the end of it for you. I know without a doubt that we can reset these nerves and then you will be done with this. And so she had two appointments and it was done. And whatever needed to be dismantled in that old pattern of energy between the dynamic and her and I was completely eliminated. And this is what I have seen in her since then. Um, unprompted, untalked about, never a conversation, the most natural state of being. She has started painting. She started drawing. She started writing stories. She has started spending time with friends. She, she went to a cabin with some friends over the weekend. She usually can't even sleep overnight somewhere. She's, um, spending a ton of time with her family. Her and her sister are doing things on their own together without us. She's asking how she can be helpful. She's asking what she can do. She's out of her room. Her shades are open. Her life is happening. She is making decisions on behalf of her own well-being unprompted. And this is the kind of things that I am talking about when you begin to dismantle the patterns for no specific outcome to commit to the quality of the experience of the moment of who you are with you and you natural the outcomes take care of themselves in ways that you couldn't imagine or visualize or try to create or match up under the current system of what other people have experienced and this type of relationship, I mean, this is a mother-daughter relationship, but this applies to your partner, it applies to your parents, it applies to your siblings, it applies to your boss, it applies, you know, to the government, it applies to whatever dynamic that you have with another human being. And I wanted to share this specific experience with you 
because this is real life shit. Okay. This is, I mean, depression, suicide, potential. I mean, we're not talking about not cleaning up your room here. I don't know what other external situation that you can have, you know, other than like some sort of terminal illness or extended illness in a dynamic between two people that can be more intense or more potential for dramatics than, than mental health. So I'm telling you that this applies to everything, <laughs> no matter what. There isn't a situation or a relationship or a dynamic or an outcome that this doesn't, or a condition not a, that this doesn't apply to. And I think that that is it. It's so funny how when it's done, it's just done. <clears throat> yeah, I've got nothing else to say. So until next time.